The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us here on this Wednesday evening for another night of talking all types of sports. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we're going to talk a little bit of money. We're going to talk about the pressure cooker, and we're going to talk about some championships. So we're going to dabble in a few different areas today. Oh, and yeah, TV. you know, yeah, exactly. One of the, a little bit of everything, right? This time, it's it's not just a a, a, a one thing show. It, you know, it is almost football season, so we are obviously going to be focused a little bit more on football than normal. But you know what? That's okay because there's still a whole lot to talk about right now. Uh, like you said, a little bit of TV, a little bit of. Uh, money problems, I guess, might be, might be a conversation we should have as well. So uh, going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, got a lot of good subjects for you. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, too, uh, training camps officially underway for a lot of teams as well or getting ready to start. So I guess football time is back, so we're going to go and get into it. And that's going to lead us right into our opening segment, the opening segment, of course, known as the tip-off. The tip-off, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at SeatGeek. Use code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first order. Go and check out some of those football games or basketball, or it is baseball season. Check out all of them. Or if you need to go to a concert, a great place to get your tickets there as well. So once again, code BELLYUPSPORTS for $20 off your first order. And we mentioned it. We're going to start with money, and we're going to the NFL for this one. And for the NFL running backs, they're not, they're not getting paid a whole lot right now. It feels like we saw Saquon Barkley, franchise tag, no long-term deal. We now see the same. We saw it happen with Josh Jacobs. No long-term deal. Looks like Tony Pollard. No long-term deal. And you know what? There's a Austin Eckler's coming up here soon. We see a lot of guys coming up. So the running back market feels um, thrifty is how we're going to look at it right now. A lot of people not getting a whole lot of money. So what's your reaction? This is you see after the deadline, nobody got an extension. It's not that all of them are supposed to get one, but nobody got one. Yeah, I, I, this one's this one's tough for me, man. Honestly, um, I love running backs uh, usually because they pay for my meals as an offensive lineman at times. Uh, so you know that was uh, that was the big you know you, you give you give them holes to run through. They run for hundred yards, you get a meal. That was the deal. Um, obviously, if they get two hundred, you get a bigger meal, better meal. Mm-hmm. You get steak. Um, that was always fun. Two fifty plus. Well, who knows? Everything's on the table at that point. Uh, but no, it, you know it's one of those things that you, you look at the the you know there's a stat that, that's out there. The average pay for a running back is $1.3 million. The average pay for an NFL kicker, nearly $9 million. What? Like, any, it, it, with how many missed kicks I see in the NFL, there aren't 32 kickers that are better than 32 NFL running backs. Period. That never will be that way. In a game where you are, like, in order to throw the ball, you must be able to run in some semblance of fashion. Uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, you still have to hand the ball off occasionally. Um, it's, it's absolutely blasphemous to, to see. And then there was another one for Justin Herbert's $29.5 million extension. Uh, Austin Eckler has made, I think 9 million less in his career than that one year extension. That shouldn't never happen. That's that's that think about how much Austin Eckler's involved in that offense. The records he just set, um, it should never be that way. I, I mean, Derek Henry got paid. But where where's everybody else? Why is Saquon not getting paid? I know you don't. I don't think to me. I don't think you pay him in long term deals. I think you pay him in higher dollar, shorter term deals. But I don't. I, I you know it's 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 also tough because I can look at it from a business standpoint and be like, well, I mean, if I could just keep running him through the funnel, why not? You know. But then from the player standpoint, I mean, I, they deserve to get paid. Their best years are in college for most running backs, and they're not even getting an opportunity to to really showcase their best talent at the NFL level in a lot of a lot of cases. 
We touched we touched on this in crunch time a few weeks ago, and I'm glad we were able to circle back to it because back then I went on the tangent of pay the running backs. And I get it on the one hand when they look as like, well, running backs, you never know when they're going to wear down, blah, 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 all of this. The one argument I don't agree with is they say, look at the Super Bowl champs. They didn't have one. All right, well, let's go back a few years. Patrick Mahomes, you're telling me every, there's 31 other teams that could pull a Patrick Mahomes. That's why you're not going to play running back because you have Patrick Mahomes on your staff. Oh, and Travis Kelsey. So you have the best quarterback and tight end. Oh, and Chris Jones, arguably a top five defensive player in the game. Okay, that's a good reason not to play, pay Saquon Barkley Giants because the Chiefs did it without a star running back, just one who had nine receiving touchdowns. We'll go back last year. The Rams didn't pay a running back and they won Super Bowl. So you have the best receiver in the game at the time and arguably who had one of the best seasons of all time, a triple crown and a Super Bowl MVP. You have Aaron Donald, the best at his position, Jalen Ramsey, arguably the best at his position. So yeah, so other teams, you can mimic that. That's why you're not going to pay Josh Jacobs. Okay, I mean, that's cool. That's what you think. Go back to your point. You had the, the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady with three multiple-time Pro Bowl receivers, an all-time tight end, and what, six Pro Bowlers on defense or six guys that have at least made one Pro Bowl at that point? Yeah, good luck mimicking that, uh, Cowboys. for not. That's a good reason to not pay Tony Pollard. Like The reasoning makes no sense to me because you look at those anomalies. But then you look at the other teams that are successful. Do you want to be mediocre and have none of those parts or have some good parts and actually get going? The running back's obviously not the most important position, and you can do it by committee. You can find a good one and be fine. But when you have a great one, like I'm mostly looking at the Saquon one especially right now. You have a great running back who Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley just got paid $40 million. Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley is, well, he's hanging out with, he's not hanging out with the Giants anymore. Like we, you can look at the staggering number difference on that one. So that's where it kind of confuses me is I get it. Running backs can be a dime a dozen, but there's like, what would you say? 10 of them that we could say are like elite guys that you can't really replace a dime a dozen with maybe, maybe eight and somewhere. I mean, I'd say, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go lower than that. I'm actually going to say there's five elite, but I'd say just below that, there's about eight guys in that above average tier where you're not going to reach down and try to go get him somebody else. If you, if you, if you have them, I look at the Tony Pollard's, I look at the, um, you know, Austin Eckler's, I, you know, as the guys that are in that, that second category where you're not going and looking for anybody else, but you're also not going to go and try to like, I don't know. I think from the, from the business standpoint, I wouldn't go out and try to, you know, pay him a lot of money, but I would, I th- like, unlike every other player class uh, classification there's no tiers in the running back market there's nothing in the running back market it's either hope you get paid or you're a free agent getting a one-year five million dollar deal like it's 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 tough and it's it's kind of disrespectful in a lot of ways for these guys i mean tony pollard should be making 10 million this year for the next three years he should yeah yeah he should be making three years uh have a three-year 10 million dollar contract sitting on his desk today to, oh well, it should have been yesterday to sign and 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 get it in place. Saquon should have had a five year, you know, 25, 25 a year type of deal, and then you go beyond that. Like after after the ten mil, that's kind of the lower end of that above average tier, and then beyond below that, you're looking at five to eight million dollar contracts for one to two years. Like that should that should be how this market ter- shakes out. I don't think this is a situation where you just like throw all the money at him. But, I, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, right? There's a tier for quarterbacks. $40 million a year is elite-level quarterbacking. And Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones. <laughs> 30, yeah, God. 30 to $35 million is that next level of above-average guys. Those We talk about 8 through 12, 8 through 13 range in the quarterback rankings that you don't really go out and try to find somebody above that. And, honestly, you could probably lift that higher. You could probably go 6 to 12, 6 to 13 
range. And you don't try to go and find anybody higher because you have a solid piece. He could grow into an above – he could grow into an elite-level quarterback. Or maybe he falls off and you're not really beholden to a whole lot of money in comparison to the $40, $50 million a year guys. Uh, and then obviously you have your belower tier, you know, your Mariotas, your Derek Carrs, your um, – And Derek Carrs still a $140 million contract too. Yeah, but he's only he's only making thirty. It's only like twenty five million a year still. I mean, even even now, it's I think this new contract he has with the Saints is like it's friendly for the Saints somehow. That's fine. Find a way to get get yeah. Saquon Barkley a friendly deal and make that work. And I like that. I, that's cool. There's ways, and and you know, what? I saw I saw something today on Twitter about it, and I thought it was a very interesting ask, very interesting way to take uh, take this and make it kind of like a Larry Bird exemption. So your Bird years, or um, you know potentially a super max type of thing where it doesn't really affect your cap. And I like the idea. I don't like the exact specifics of those ideas. To me, I look at this running back cap and I think, again, I say there needs to be tiers. I do think a bird market type of situation where you have bird years that should come into play. Like if you're a running back who has six years of, of, uh, you know, success on, on his, on his, on his resume here and you have, you're going into free agency, you should be eligible for a contract that only hits the team for $10 million a year. I think that would be a fantastic idea uh, because you, imagine Saquon Barkley only hits your, your, your cap space for 10 million a year, but you could pay him 25 a year. How, ha- how happy would Saquon be? How happy would the giants be from that standpoint? I think It'd the be, giants would be locked and loaded and he'd be at training camp instead of doing yeah. instead of what we have right now. And, and like, I, I think there's ways around it. I think that you could have two tiers of like a bird year situation, but call it a running back exemption where you have, you know, three years as a starter, six years as a starter, or maybe you even cut it down to two and a half, or, you know, three years and five years um, as a starter because running back five times are so short in the NFL, but you, you set it up as so that they make certain X amount of money goes against the cap. And then beyond that, that's on like, you know, that's you'll get taxed for it, but you're not going to be cat. You're not going to get penalized for it type of a situation. So that make a bunch of sense. They did something like that as well. And I also want to circle back to the giants and the Saquon monks. That's the one that bugs me. It's not like you exactly have a premium crop of receivers in that stable right now as well, too. Yeah. I mean, like there's a they're pretty good players in there. Paris Campbell's nice, Isaiah Hodgins is nice. Like you have good players, but it's not like Justin Jefferson or Tyree Kill is in that room commanding a bunch of your money. It's not like you're paying an elite amount to those receivers. So you got to find a way to keep Saquon in that case. I like the bird years idea. I'd also mention maybe change it so the running back market is like receiver two market, if that makes sense. There's no reason Saquon Barkley shouldn't make let's say what T Higgins is going to get when he gets his contract, whether it's with the Bengals or someone else, like, you know, he's going to get paid or Devonte Smith when he's up or Jalen Waddle, guys like that, Gabe Davis with the bills, running back should be able to get paid, be paid number two receiver money. Since oh, I don't know if Jalen Waddle is getting QB is getting wide receiver two money wherever he goes, but I get your well, point. Well, we'll see. My point is like those guys that are considered number two receivers, not the guys getting 35 million a year, but guys that are probably getting like, in those twenties, especially when you're a running back like Saquon who can catch the ball. Cause they are like your second receiver. Sometimes guys yeah. like Jonathan Taylor, you get Austin Eckler. Crit, crit, the guy who led the league in touchdowns in back-to-back years. That's a prime example. Christian McCaffrey, Jarek, Jarek McKinnon. He might, he might not get quite as much, but I know what you're getting. I know, but, but yeah, like, I mean, a guy who has nine touchdown receptions is, is, exactly. is a pretty good can, asset. Exactly. You, the way they use them. And they're also your extended offensive lineman against the blitz. So I'm not saying you got to try and pay them receiver money. Cause that's kind of blasphemous. You're definitely not playing quarterback money, but you could pay them like guard money. And I'm not talking Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin necessarily, but you could pay them high level guard money, like Joe Tooney money, something like that. Especially when that running back is such a vital part of your offense. Cause look at most of these teams, you stink too darn bad to be trying to throw away an elite running back. 
Like example, Jonathan Taylor is going to be up for a contract next year. The Colts don't bet him. They're stupid because they stink. They can't be getting rid of assets. If you're the Giants, you we still don't know how you made the playoffs. So it's been a year and we're still trying to figure it out. You can't be throwing away assets like that. The Raiders, you stink. And you don't even really, your quarterback is, situation is so up in the air right now, you can't be giving away assets. Like Cowboys, well, you just got rid of Zeke, who's been your workhorse for almost a decade. And now you have Tony Pollard coming out. Like, you can't just afford to let him go. He was your savior last year. He was your RB1. So I get it. You don't want to break the bank for him, but you got to find a way to meet in the middle. Like, all right, you 10 million's a little low. 20 million's not going to happen. Make it 14, make it all guaranteed or something like that. Or make it, give them higher guarantees, but lower years than if you want. Or give them more years, but less. There's a way to work through this. I just don't think, they, they can't try and be comparing. It's like, oh, the Chiefs won without a running back. Cool, let us know when you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and Chris Jones. Yeah. Or any of the last three that I already tangented about earlier as well. I mean, la- Good luck, everybody else. Unless you're going to mimic some of those complete outliers, have fun using that as an excuse not to pay a running back. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I do want to talk about some of these, like, Obviously, we have we have Saquon. Uh, that's a huge miss by the Giants. I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind. Biggest you don't just you don't just not sign that type of a guy. Um, similar, I thought into the CMC situation. You know, obviously that he needed to be signed, and he finally was before being traded. Um, but you know, that's a different con- conversation. But then you look at Josh Jacobs, led the league in rushing, has done nothing but carry that team rushing wise for four or five years now. I think five years now. And he's looked great doing it. I mean, has been fairly healthy. You talk about a guy who picks up blitzes, a, a guy who does all the dirty work along with the glamorous work. He gets you there, but you're not going to pay him. That one to me is the most blasphemous one of the group. Like, I'm just like, obviously, you know, Saquon is a huge miss, but I think, I think just there's nothing happening in, in Oakland or in Las Vegas. And it's not like they don't have the cap space. They have plenty of cap space to pay him. That's not an issue. That one to me, I'm just like, that's just disrespectful. Dallas does make sense. There is some cap conversations there that, that could be had that whereas they wait to sign them next year, it makes more sense for them cap space-wise. Also, I'm trying not to hate on the fact that I have Tony Pollard for an extra year. That's that's also pretty great for me as a Cowboys fan. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, I do think that, yes, Tony does need to be paid. I think this is going to be his prove-it year. And I do think there's a situation like this with Tony Pollard where he didn't have a starting role. And this it's one's not as egregious. Yeah, this one, this one, this one makes sense in a lot of ways to not pay him yet. Give him this year as a starter, see what happens. But if by week thirteen this dude is at second in the league in rushing, uh, sign the man right then and there. Don't wait. Just give the contract over to his agent. And be like, sign it when you're ready. It's on you, boss. Like that's just need to be that simple. Um, then you know, I, I just I think there's a lot of situations where teams are playing unnecessary hardball. And you know, I I, I go back to Le'Veon Bell back, you know with the Steelers. I think that was unnecessary for the Steelers to play that game with him. And then he just left. I, I, I don't blame him for leaving. I think it was obviously at the end of the day, a stupid move knowing what his, the career ended like. But I, I think at the time I don't blame him. I mean, I would have done, you know, you, you feel disrespected and, and it makes a lot of sense. So um, even Jamal Williams leaving the lions, like that was disrespectful. The dot, the offer the lions gave him considering he's the first rusher they've had that hit double digits touchdowns since Barry Sanders. It's like, you're one of your greatest, your greatest all-time running back of franchise history. Somebody did something he did, and is the first to do it since him. And you're like, nah, let him go. It's very similar to what they do with Carry On Johnson. Obviously, injuries had more of a case to carry on than than with Jamal Jamal Williams, but it doesn't matter. You got to pay these guys. Like, just right. pay them. 
And we see Dalvin Cook getting released because they weren't because he didn't want to take a pay cut as well. And then guys coming up to Jonathan Taylor next year, J.K. Dobbins next year, Derrick Henry's coming up again as the older one of the group. So something we need to keep an eye on. But the running back market, they got to figure out a way to make it. It's the same thing we heard about tight ends a few years ago, like Jimmy Graham and Gronkowski. How do you pay them? Because they're not just tight end. Just pay them as players. Don't pay them as like a position at this point. If you, yeah. you're worried about the wear and tear, make it shorter and just throw all the money at them. I'm not 100% sure. So and I, hey, I if it's a player, if, if I'm like receiver two money with those bird rides, I think that's great. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if they're a player that does a lot of things, like let's say Josh Jacobs, who catches the ball, he runs the ball, he blocks. Maybe take a little bit out of the out of the running back, uh, out of the wide receiver uh, lump sum. Maybe take a little bit out of the lineman lump sum, and then add all the running back lump sum all together, and that's his new contract. So whatever that ends up being, but like, let's not play stupid here. NFL NFL execs know way too much on how to do this, and um, yeah, and, and and there's another aspect of this, and it's something that I saw earlier, and, and this one's very interesting to me. It's a labor rights. Uh, agreement situation so you look at the nflba as potentially needing to get involved here and yet somebody pointed out a very good point nflpa might be the weakest union of all the sports unions out there and there's not a lot they can do in this conversation without getting kind of kicked to the curb by the 32 billionaire owners so uh it's a tough situation that's going to have to figure itself out some way or somehow but i think the players are going to have to take this this one into their own hands in a lot of ways I, I'm really hoping something changes, flips on his head. One guy just gets paid and everyone that just kind of works it out because obviously you already know the elite quarterback is where the, where the bread is. That's where the money making is. That's where you got to try and solve. But everything after that is you can move around with that. So I, hopefully it is the running back start getting paid, at least not what they're getting paid now. I'll leave it at that. We won't go too far into those weeds because this could take the entire episode, but we got some other stuff to get into. And before we get into that, I do want to remind everyone, if you like jerseys, go and check out our most recent Tier Tuesday where we decided to go ahead and rank the alternate jerseys for the NFL teams in this upcoming season. A few new ones did come out recently as well, too, including the updated Seahawks one. So definitely go check out the Tier Tuesdays. Let us know what you think. We got a few of them in that best of the best category. Let us know if you agree with those, disagree with those, or just what you think of them overall because we had some good and bad words, I'll say. Nothing too bad, though. Nothing too harsh. Honestly, I think I'd still throw the Seahawks right there in the, eh, stop, guys. Exactly. Like I think they, I think they need to have a new cut. They just need to come up with something new. I, I didn't expect it a full reboot of the 1975 jerseys, but here we are. You know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? But they should be scoring. They should be seen in the end zone a lot with that team. But we'll get into that in probably about a month when we start doing those breakdowns. But that's going to do it here for the tip off, and now that's going to lead us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. That is the main event, and for the main event, it only felt right that this was inspired by Kelsey's good friend Dak Prescott, who went whoa, out, out instead. Whoa, no, you don't whoa. interrupt me. But, where he went out and said, "We will not. I will not throw ten interceptions this season." Coming off of probably his worst season for interceptions in his career, comfortably his worst. Which, when you say something like that, what comes with that? Pressure. So, what we decided to do for this for the main event today is we're going to go through our five quarterbacks under the most pressure heading into next season. So, Kelsey, I could tell you that you don't like me calling Dak your friend. So, I'm guessing you you have a rebuttal with that really quick, or uh, that's 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 probably the meanest thing you've ever said to me on this show um maybe the dis- most so disrespectful thing you've ever said to me so far I just think of so it far way. yeah so far we've, we've we've gone three what four years now and then this is this is the most disrespectful thing so we're doing pretty good i guess hold my beer it'll only get it'll only get worse from here but i'm gonna go through a list and i'm gonna go ahead and start i'm gonna go from five to one it's not really a particular order but i'm just gonna list them kind of kind of how i feel the last few i'm definitely feeling is the most pressure but number five i'm gonna go with Tua Tagovailoa out in miami the reason he's under a lot of pressure is a last year those injuries just devastated his season. The 
the concussions. We all saw the one on Thursday night when he was in the lineup. They were fantastic. He was throwing the ball down the field. They were explosive. A lot of us could have said he was the leading MVP candidate almost halfway through the season until those injuries caught up. And then they, and then the injuries caught up and he missed the end of the season, including the playoff game. And we kind of saw the dolphins even without him went toe to toe with the bills with Skylar Thompson, at quarterback. All they've done is add Devin Avache in the draft at running back. You got Raheem Mostert. You brought in Jalen Ramsey. That team is loaded from top to bottom. That might be one of the best rosters in the NFL when you go from the very top to the bottom. If Tua can stay healthy and play like he did last year, there's no reason this team can't be a Super Bowl contender. But the biggest issue is you need your quarterback to be out there. And so far, that health has been that health has kind of ruined his career, even going back to college with that hip injury. So if he can stay healthy, they're a Super Bowl team. If he goes down, well, Mike McDaniel's gonna have to dig into his bag because that team is loaded. They're jacked. They had a great draft, a great offseason, didn't miss anybody. We saw Tua, Jalen Waddle, and all them. Tyreek Hill can all work. Now we just need him to be on the field for at least 15 games. Yeah, 15 to 17, ideally. Okay. All right. I respect it. Um, I, oh, and a I think, I, I, yeah, I think the health thing is the big thing with Tua, obviously. But um, yeah, it's, it's a situation where if Tua isn't healthy, yeah, absolutely agree. I do think he does have to prove it, though. I think it's at that situation where it's, it's time to put up or shut up, much like they did with Ryan Tannehill in, in Miami. Um, earlier in, in, in this decade. So so I, I definitely agree with you uh, here at number five, I think. Yeah. And you also don't have Mike McDaniel for very long if this doesn't work out. Exactly. Or, you know, he did a great job last year. We'll see what they do. But if you're Tua, contract coming up, got to stay healthy. That team is ready for a Super Bowl run right now. They might be the best team top to bottom in that division, even over the Bills. It's at least competitive at this point. So we'll de- he'll have to stay healthy. But next, looking up at number four, I'm going to go with his draft class teammate picked one spot after him in Justin Herbert with the Chargers. We all know how great Justin Herbert is. He's fantastic. No one's going to argue that. The reason he's under pressure, though, is you're going to year four. You got a massive contract on the way, too. You know he's going to get paid after seeing Lamar, Jalen Hurts, and them get paid. Him and Joe Burrow are going to get a whole lot of Brinks trucks in this next offseason coming up, guaranteed. You finally got to the playoffs, had a 27-point lead, and then lost. That's a, you can't have that, unfortunately. Not blaming him for all of that. There's a lot of issues with that team. Coaching's a little questionable. The fact that they can't run the ball to save their lives sometimes. The injuries, the most injured team I've ever seen in my life on a year-in and year-out basis, it feels like. You bring in Quentin Johnson. You have Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, everybody healthy. You still have Bosa. You still have a very strong defense. I'm, I'm not saying he has to win the Super Bowl, obviously, but when you're in a division with Patrick Mahomes and just in that AFC, it's a dogfight from top to bottom. There's what? what would you say nine to 10 playoff teams in the AFC with seven spots. So, so I think Justin Herbert in this case, we need to see him take almost that next step and be that MVP while still kind of galvanizing and being able to win those extra games to compete for that division title. Will they get it? Probably not. Cause Patrick Mahomes, but you got to lock in like that fifth seed and you might have to win a playoff game this year. Or if you do, it's gotta be, you can't have, lose a 27 point lead with it just cause We've had Herbert as like that fifth best quarterback. He's had next basically since his first game against the Chiefs after Terod Taylor got stabbed in the chest. So I want to see Justin Herbert kind of show that it's good, that it's the work in progress is there too. So I, I'm going to put Justin Herbert at four just because he set the bar so high so quick. It, that's going to catch up to you at this point. So give me Justin Herbert at four. Uh, tough, tough break for Justin Herbert right there. A guy that we we both love, uh, but I get where you're coming from. I do think this is, Similar in a lot of ways where you kind of have to like San Diego. Well, sorry, L.A. Uh, Chargers have have much been been that team that's that's always a bridesmaid, never a bride. 
um, and go back to Phil Rivers and, the, and all those AFC championship games and AFC playoff games that they just didn't have enough to get over the hump. And well, right now, Justin Herbert can't even really get to that point. It seems, but again, you know, I, I almost want to give him a break just because injuries. I mean, you lose Keenan Allen twice in three years. You lose Mike Williams twice in three years. You lose, you, you know, you lo- you lose your tight end two out of those three years as well. So, you know, it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, just the, the way this team gets injured, it'll be very interesting to see how they do this year. Obviously new OC, um, getting, getting revamp, revamp pieces in there as well. It'll be interesting to see how he does. I, I do think that's, that does bring a lot of pressure. I also say I want to put a slash here and throw Kellen Moore in there with Justin Herbert. Like I know we're not doing coaches, but I think as Justin Herbert goes, it's going to determine a lot of, uh, Kellen Moore as well, because obviously we talk about Dak Prescott inspiring this list. Kellen Moore, former OC with Dak Prescott, and well, we saw what he did last year. I think Kellen Moore might be just tied to this one by happenstance, if you will. Absolutely. And we saw what he did with Dak the previous years, too, where Dak was able to light it up. They were able to be multiple times in the playoffs. I just want to see Herbert get there and not lose a 27 point lead. Let's say they face the Chiefs and they lose like 34 27. Not a big deal, especially if it's back and forth like every single one of their games is. So it's more of a circumstance thing. And in the ultra competitive AFC, you're about to get arguably one of the bigger contracts in NFL history. Just depends if him or Burrow signs the next one first, basically. I, we just want to see you take that next step. And he's unfortunately always going to be compared to Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, just because yeah. draft class and division mate tough break. He's as good as anybody in the game, but we just want to see the results match it a little bit as well. Speaking of uh, having to match something number three, we're throwing on Saquon Barkley's teammate, Daniel Jones. For no other reason than he got the bag and some, and he has yet to throw 20 touchdowns in a season through the air. I know he I know he gets a lot done on the ground, so I'd obviously know he's an effective football player, effective quarterback, all of that. But you're basically you might cost your team Saquon Barkley with how much money they gave him. Rumors he wanted even more from or at least that rumors the agent was asking for even more. You you're in the a- NFC East, which surprisingly has gone from the NFC least to the NFC beast almost overnight, it feels like this last season. You're competing with Jalen Hurts and that Eagle squad that is loaded top to bottom. A Cowboys team that, despite how much Kelsey dislikes him, is loaded from top to bottom for the most part, too. The Commanders, while it's a fun to make fun of them, they're not a slouch necessarily. They're still a quality team as well. You're the Giants and Daniel Jones. I hate to I hate to be set the bar too high, but you've got to throw more than 20 touchdowns this year. I know that's a, I know that's a high bar, but when you're making 40 million, I need to be able to get at least one touchdown for every 10 million or so, or every two every 20 million. So I just got to get a little bit more from Daniel Jones, especially if you don't have Saquon Barkley, especially with the receiving core, a little shaky. So Isaiah Hodgins, nice Paris Campbell's nice for the two games. He's able to play Kenny Galladay, hopefully a little resurgence like they, and then Darren Waller. Let's not forget. They brought in Darren Waller. So you have weapons there. You have a good squad. I need him. Even if they don't make the playoffs, let's say they take a step back this year. Like I think a lot of people are expecting. No one's necessarily thinking 11 games again. He needs to look like he's worth that much money and the Giants didn't just hamstring themselves. So give me Daniel Jones's three, at least 20 touchdown passes this year. That's all I need from you. Two million. That's like $2 million per touchdown pass. Yes. Uh, simply <laughs> put, yes, Daniel Jones is on this list. I also think when you add in all the extra weapons, that you mentioned Darren Waller, add him into this list of, of players that are still uh, playing for the Giants, still in the receiving core. I mean, he is just basically a glorified receiver in a lot of ways. And, you know, you look at, look, we don't know if Saquon's what, what's going to happen with that situation, but assuming he plays, you have that asset as well. You have that entire defense. All you need to do as Daniel Jones is exactly what you just said. If you're not handing it off to Saquon, you're going to throw it to the end zone to Darren Waller for a touchdown 
or you're going to, you know, throw Darius Slayton open for a touchdown. Like, take your pick or do what you got to do. But somebody's going to be open in that on that on that team to to score a touchdown. Paris Campbell for his two games can burn absolutely almost anybody. It seems like whether he catches the ball after he burns them, we'll we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, and as long as he doesn't, you know, tear his Achilles again. Um, but yeah, it's it, I do I do think Daniel Jones has to really prove himself. I would have probably even put him up higher on this list. Um, for me personally, I think I think I don't know who your top two is yet. But I do think right now, for me, I think I might even have slid him higher if he, if he was on my list. So I respect your decision to put him at three. So that must mean you have some two uh, two highly under pressure guys. You may they may come with a warning under pressure uh, sign on their back at this point in time. You, if you listen closely, we don't have to worry about royalties. You'd hear under pressure singing in the background for these next two. And the yeah, one thing we don't have to worry about the DMCA to come with that. All three of them have in common is a whole lot of money and need to show some results. And Daniel Jones at least made the playoffs and won a playoff game last year. So I'll stick him at three. But at number two, a guy who played so poorly that his team ended up with a top five pick in the NFL draft that they didn't even get to use. We're looking at Danger Russ, Russell Wilson himself out in Denver. The most expensive Walmart employee in history right now with with a new ownership. $160 million plus guaranteed, and he had his worst season of his career by far, and it wasn't even close. He, last year, they were people were talking about it being Super Bowl favorites. They couldn't even get out of the cellar. They lost to the Colts on Thursday night. That's how bad they are. That is absolutely terrible. You cannot have that on your record. They were it was a very rough season for them. Russ looked lost. He was turning the ball over. He looked unless he was running around for his life and doing his run backwards, run backwards, run backwards, break the pocket, throw it deep randomly. He looked like a, he looked confused and like a deer in headlights. He didn't run the ball as much. He couldn't see the field. Russell Wilson at number two. With that much money he got, you got the coach you wanted in Sean Payton. You got Hackett fired. You got all the weapons in the world. Your team is once again, another team pretty much loaded from top to bottom with a top seven defense. Russell Wilson's got to show up and show out. Similar to Justin Herbert, no one's going to really realistically expect you to win the division. Now with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey there. But you got to like be competing for the playoffs. Honestly, you know what? The Broncos have to make the playoffs. With what they gave up for Russell Wilson, you got to get in the playoffs this year, even more so than Herbert or some of these other guys. You got to you got to do something. You because you can't go for you can't you can't do what you did last year. That was Oh boy, we're not going to spend. We don't have enough episode left for me to get into that. But everyone who was there saw it with their own two eyes last year. Russell Wilson, number two on this list. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I, 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 I also want to stand by what I said about Daniel Jones. I think I probably could put Russ higher on my list. I don't know who your number one is. Um, so it's must be really good. Everybody knows my opinions on Russell. Um, I've long since believed he's been an overrated quarterback. After becoming the guy in in Seattle when he actually deferred to the running game first he was a great quarterback his desire to play playground ba- playground football every single play does not work for the NFL um, so yeah this is his opportunity i mean yeah you, you he highest paid walmart employee you have Sean Payton now you have everybody in the history of of Denver football on your side now go make it happen do not let sierra down you better one two step your way into a proper return to the uh, the quarterback game because this is this is going to be embarrassing otherwise. And by the way, his biggest weapon and I and um, we might be kind of having a conversation about this down the road. Uh, there's a new segment we're going to be working on uh, talking about fantasy players. His return of the ultimate weapon here in Denver. That's Tim Patrick coming back healthy this season. Um, I think we'll have a little bit to play with Russell Wilson, but we'll see if if Russell can get himself together for that one. Absolutely as well. And he's definitely not short on weapons regardless, or you still got Jerry Judy and Corlin Sutton and Javante Williams coming back too. So they, they're definitely not short on weapons out there, but it's going to lead me to number one who 
Similar situation to Russ, but a lot more chaotic. We're going with Deshaun Watson. He's the number one quarterback under pressure in Cleveland. We saw him play at, was it six games last year, I believe it was? Didn't look too great. The first three or four, really rusty. The last two actually came to life a little bit, had some moments, but they still didn't look great. You, The most guaranteed money in history, we talk about these other two teams that are loaded top to bottom. It's very better roster top to bottom than the Cleveland, Cleveland Browns right now, depending on quarterback play. Top five. Maybe a, maybe a, maybe a better second. They need a better second running back right now, but not not. It's not bad by any means. That's for sure. And I mean, you got probably the most sustainable running back in the game right now in Nick Chubb. So yeah, maybe you need a second run. Your receiver room is as good as anybody's with Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, Peoples Jones, and Tillman from Tennessee. You got a good receiver room. Tight end room solid. Offensive line room top five in the game. Defensive front seven. Even losing Perry on Winfrey for obvious reasons. Still got Miles Garrett and is still a very good front line. Secondary still very good. They they're they're loaded. They were built to win last year, but obviously with the suspension and questionable, a little bit of questions all around too, and a weaker and a weaker receiving core, they weren't able to get it going. Deshaun Watson they brought in because of what he did with that last season in Houston. Just well, we won't get into all the other stuff of how he got there necessarily, but point is they, despite all of that, they decided to make him the richest man in NFL history with guaranteed money. Even though he had not finished his con, he hadn't even started his contract. He signed with Houston, but I, extension. But I digress. There, you get gave up the sun and the moon and the stars to get him. He has to perform. They have to make the playoffs. That he has to ball out. He has to look. They got to win ten games, eleven games, maybe not win the division, but get to the playoffs. And he has to, he has to look like that four thousand yard, thirty touchdown quarterback that he did in Houston for a few years too. It's the best team he's had, even better than some of those Houston teams as well. So he's. He's got to find a way to produce. If they don't win 10 to 11 games, I think all hell is going to break loose off the lake. I, uh, I respect this, this choice with Deshaun. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 again, I don't know if I, I haven't ranked over Russell personally, but I do like the choice of Deshaun on this list. I do think he's under a lot of pressure and I want to go to his stats for a second because you mentioned his 4,000 yard, 30 touchdowns, seven interception. It was actually 33 and 4,800 yards, whatever. He's only had one other 4,000-yard season, and that was in 2018, his second year. Uh, and his third year in between, 3,800, 26 touchdowns, and a big whopping 12 interceptions, which was a lot closer to what we saw last year with seven touchdowns to five interceptions in that ratio. And again, his quarterback rating, his completion percentage that year were way down compared to the 70% he, he posted in 2020. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of reasons that Deshaun's on this list, and you don't see him running the ball, you don't see any of that involved. But on top of all that, again, I want to talk go back to the coaching for conversation for just a second. I think Kevin Stefanski is immediately tied to this with Deshaun Watson. Oh, because yeah. if it doesn't work out with Deshaun, he's gone. It, this year his he's offense gone. will, yeah, his offense will never work with anybody. And I don't mean that because Deshaun should be this great athlete, but we have seen the athlete Deshaun can be. We have seen the talent he does possess under a really subpar offensive scheme and a really subpar offense in general with a much worse line, a much worse receiving core. And I, I say that after you look at wide receiver one, basically after wide receiver one, it was a much worse receiving core than what you have here in, in Cleveland. And again, not a, not as good of a running back as he has here either. Um, so yeah, it's a situation where you got to win. You got to win. Now there is no excuses. Like as much as I would like to blame Kevin Stefanski, if he doesn't have a good year, no, it's on you Deshaun. This is a big contract you're under. You cannot have two years, a year and six games or whatever it is, where you just fizzle out. Like that's just not going to be good enough at any point in time, and it's going to determine a lot of a lot of stuff here in Cleveland. And, and yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, 
the 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 lake might dry up with how many people uh want to get fired and and you know light this one up uh if Deshaun doesn't work out. I was say I'm not even expecting him to do what he did in 2020 because they didn't win any games. That was just a very very good efficient looking stat. But if he did like what you mentioned, 26, 28, and 12 with like 68 percent completion, you'll win 10 games. But you got to be able to do that. You can't do what you did last year, unfortunately. And chalk it up to Russ, chalk it up to all that. You still got all that money. You got to go out there and produce and win the game. So even if he does what he did in 2020, they're a Super Bowl team running away with it because that because you do that with all everything has around him. Then, then there's nothing to worry about. But with that much money and the expectations now on them and in that division, when you look at what you're competing against, they got to get it done next year. But anyway, going into next season, my top five quarterbacks under pressure. At five, we've got Tua Tugavailoa. Number four, we got Justin Herbert. Number three, Daniel Jones. Number two, Russell Wilson. And number one, Deshaun Watson. So those will be the five quarterbacks I have under most pressure going into next season. Kelsey will go and let you take over. Who are your top five quarterbacks under pressure next year? Ooh, yeah, I know. Seriously, I uh, start singing uh, under pressure in the background. Uh, you know, maybe we should not butcher that one and get DMCA'd, but uh, I'd still want to do it. Just to, the part of me wants to play something in the background here. But I'm heading to the Motor City for my first quarterback here under pressure at number five. I'm going with the guy who has been traded for doing nothing wrong, who but just getting to his team to a Super Bowl, and then leads his team to what is an astronomical season that they've not seen in multiple years and has been talked about being traded in the offseason nonstop. I'm going with Jared Goff as my number five here, and that's because he can't do anything right at this point in time. I think this is more a situational thing with him. He is that weird anomaly where he is ranked in like the 12 to 15 range where it's like, all right, well, I don't really have any better choices out there that I can go and afford. But I don't have any worse choices. But if somebody wants to shop for him, well, we're open to that too. I think that's where Jared Goff falls, and it's kind of awkward because now you have Jared Goff, who is, again, doing nothing wrong in his career. He is doing really well as his, in his career. And yet he gets shafted every single offseason. This is very, very odd to see. I don't think it's a Jared Goff situation, why he's, why he's under pressure. But I think he has to prove that he is that type of a quarterback. If he comes out here, and especially without Jameson Williams for the first six or ten, ga- however many games it is this season, so if he's at, if he does this without Jameson for that first part of the season, and can absolutely light it on fire, then when Jameson comes back, he just continues to light it on fire um, with a running back slash receiver in Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery coming to the team. I do think this is an opportunity for Jared Goff to really show out and show his actual talents. Um, obviously, he has the superstar that is Amon Ross St. Brown. If you don't think he's a superstar, get out of here. Man's, he's named after an Egyptian god for a reason. Uh, but no, so Jared Goff to me, sitting at number five, under the most pressure, not for any other reason than because people love to hate on Jared Goff for whatever reason. I'll also throw on top of that, they're the darlings to win that division. They have expectations for the first time in forever, it feels like, because of how last season ended and with the changeup in that division. And they recently drafted his potential replacement at Hendon Hooker, who's only like two years younger than him. So if he does start to falter, there is a guy behind there that many thought could have been a first-round quarterback. So definitely uh, there's some pressure there in the Motor City for Jared Goff, who come off a great season, and what do you know? He's immediately back under pressure. Yeah, it never never ends for that guy. <laughs> uh, but speaking of never-ending pressure, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into my number four here. Uh, number four, I'm going to stay in the same division. It might not be a surprise to anybody considering, well – I've talked a lot about this guy in the past. That's right. I'm talking about the the superstar quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just kidding. Uh, we're talking about Kirk Cousins here. 
the mid of all mids. He is my number four. Um, I just look, you look at it. You cannot continue to be second best and yet consider yourself a successful quarterback. I think at the end of the day, there's been a lot of things, you know, in Kirk Cousins way. I think there's been a lot of things that maybe, you know, they could have been schemed better here. They could have been schemed better there. But at the end of the day, you have Justin Jefferson. You have KJ Hamler. You had Dalvin Cook. You had Adam Thielen. You had Stephon Diggs. There are no excuses. You have TJ Hawkinson. Jordan there Anderson. are, they, yeah, you, you have, yeah, what is now Jordan Addison might be one of the best dressed rookies of the year, but you have all these studs on your team. There are no excuses for you not to be that dude. So I think this is a situation for Kirk. And if you watch the quarterback thing on on Netflix, I'll be the first one to admit that it did make me kind of like Kirk Cousins, but I had to shut it down for this this conversation because he is too mid sometimes. And this, you see a lot of that when you especially you get to the playoffs. He said it in that in, in the Netflix special. He doesn't want to be known for just one playoff win. Well, okay, get to the playoffs and win more games. That's your next step. And again, this NFC North is wide open. We don't know who's going to get there. And my top two picks here, five and four, are literally from this division fighting for that open spot. And they have the best chance to do it. And I think as long as they both compete for it, if it's a close matchup between the Lions and the, the Vikings at the end of the season, even whoever doesn't win the division, I still think can keep their job if it's a close battle. And I'm talking like both teams, 11 wins, 10 wins situation. Not like seven wins, eight wins like it was last year. I think this needs to be, uh, you know, highly competitive NFC North between these two teams. And I think Kirk Cousins has to show out even more so than Jared Goff. This is a situation where it is Kirk. It is on Kirk. It is absolutely on Kirk why he's on this list because he's just not done enough to help his team at the final moments. He does a great job managing the game. He's Last year he showed he can make an exceptional playmaker as well. But there were still times he made the mistakes. Like, you look at the Philadelphia game. I mean, there he, he blew a lot of different throws there. Obviously, we know how good Philadelphia turned out being. But that was week three. That was not the best Philadelphia team they had played. Or, sorry, week two. Not the best Philadelphia team they had played. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to go Kirk Cousins here at number four on my quarterbacks with pre- under, the, under the pressure. The funny thing about these two that you mentioned, too, is the, while they're under pressure, they're getting no help because you have the 32nd and the 31st ranked defense as well. So they have all that pressure on them because as soon as they make a mistake, it's 14, nothing. So I'm going to also throw in their coaches and GM staffs, kind of like we talked about with Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert, throw those two at these as well. While Kirk, as you mentioned, he's 35. Now he's running out of time. Has been, as you called in the mid of all mids, his whole career has been his ranking. This is the time for him to step up. You got the weapons. Hopefully your defense isn't 31st in the NFL again. Hopefully it's at least like 24th or something. So you don't, don't have to worry about that, but you mentioned no, no Osborne. You got O'Connell as your head coach, very quarterback friendly. Let's go, let's go get a playoff game. You got 13 wins last year. Maybe win 11 this year and take a different game. Like I agree. There's a little bit of pressure under Kirk, especially as he's getting older and running out of time. Yeah. I mean, look, we need, I need more Kirky two chains and less uh, Kirk McBustern dad hmm. um, at the end of the day. Uh, that's, that's really what I, I, that's what I need to close out the game from, from him. So. Give me Kirky two chains here uh, as my number four quarterback under pressure, which will take me to my number three pick. And that's right. I'm going with the black Kirk cousins at number three. Uh, that is Dak Prescott. So I literally just repeated the same player twice here uh, on back to back here at number four and number three, but going to America's team, it is Dak Prescott. Um, it, it's. Can't do what you did last year. Again, <laughs> period. 
And then on top of that, you can't say you're not going to do it like you did last year because last time that happened with a team a coach, a player in the NFC or a quarterback in the NFC East, that was Eli Manning. And well, guess what happened? He set an all-time record for picks in a season and then retired. So, yeah, let's not do this, Dak. Uh, you have an OC that you've not coached, you've not played for before. I mean, I guess technically you have. Uh, I, I still stand by that. Kellen Moore wasn't really hand, handed the reins there in Dallas properly. Um, but McCarthy has a lot to say about this offense, and he thinks Dak can do it. It's put up or shut up time for Dak. Uh, it's no longer hand-holding season anymore. They're not going to pay Tony. That means you have to go out there and make the plays as the quarterback. You're the guy who got paid. You got to go show that you got paid for the right reasons. I know everybody in Dallas loves you. I appreciate you off the field as a great dude. On the field, you're really disappointing me, Dak. And uh, I think he's under a lot of pressure. I I know there's a lot of Cowboys fans who think he's a God's gift to green earth. But let's be realistic here. He is garbage time phenom at the best. That's where we're at with his career right now. Because he hasn't proven he can win the games. He hasn't proven he can take that step. That end of the game during against San Francisco should never, ever have happened. And it, I mean, it's just back-to-back years with huge mistakes from Dak Prescott, and you're just like, you just stuck scratching your head. And yeah, so I'm going to go Dak Prescott here at number three. You cannot have the same situation as last year. If you go out, you go out fighting. You better go out with, you know, putting it all on the table. If you throw 10 picks, I don't care as long as you throw 40 touchdowns. As long as they're not egregious picks. Like, we've seen guys throw 10, 12, 15 picks, and they're just like tip picks. You know, there's situations like that. That's fine. Okay, acceptable. But when they're right to a defender, no, man, we got we 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 can't have that conversation anymore. So, um, give me Dak Prescott here, number three quarterback under pressure going into next season. I won't spend too much time on it, but that roster is loaded. A top ten defense. Bring in Stephon Gilmore now on top of who can still play. Bring in Brandon Cooks as your number two receiver to go along with Gallup as well. You lost Dalton Schultz, but they have like six other tight ends they ran through last year. A really good offensive line, Tony Pollard. I agree that you have one of the better rosters in the game. You got to, you got to get back to the playoffs and maybe the picks picks happen. Defensive players make great plays. Sometimes it just happens, but they can't be like, they can't be some of the egregious ones. And if you're going to throw 12, 13 picks, you got to get like the 30, 34 touchdowns in a way that wins games, not five touchdowns against backups or that sort of thing. So yeah. I agree. Kurt Dax under a little pressure and for all the reason that he had to say, I'm not going to throw 10 picks this year. Now in his head, it's going to be naturally throws away. It's like, all right, I can't, I can't throw nine more. Oh, shoot, I can't throw eight more. It's a human nature at that point. So, yeah, Dak, Dak on this list makes sense. I honestly feel like he's going to have a three-pick game to start the season out, and you're just going to be like, well, there's a, th- there's a third of your, your interceptions, Dak. Can't make any more mistakes for the rest of the season. And it's like, it's going to be a, a, egregious if that's in his head all season. And you do wonder how he's going to do without his best friend and, and Zeke back there. Um, historically, when games without Zeke for him are not great, uh, to say the least. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. But that'll take us to my number two pick here. Uh, four quarterbacks under pressure. And, DJ, I'm going to go visit your list here. And I'm taking your number one pick as my number two. That's Deshaun Watson. Um, for all the reasons we talked about, we don't really need to keep a whole lot of time here on Deshaun. Um, I do think it's a situation where, given all the other off, off-field history, as well as the fact he hasn't really proven himself on the field yet, and he's under such a huge contract, and there's all that talent in Cleveland, it's put up or shut up time. Um, and again, this one does tie into Kevin Stefanski as well, because if this offense doesn't work, I think Deshaun might get another year, okay. but it'd be a situation where it's another year under a different coach. 
Um, so it really is for, for, for Deshaun to make it work under what he signed the contract with, with Cleveland. This is his last chance. Especially when he did sign. One of the main reasons he said he signed was for Kevin Stefanski in that offense. So there's no excuse now. Kevin's gone. If you don't do anything this year, Deshaun, they put too much into it. He's not going anywhere. So he's got a whole lot of baggage, both as far as the money and the other stuff too. So he's got to, he's got to show out this year. So I agree. He's, he might, I had him at number one, so but I'm not going to argue with him at number two because I'm guessing your number one's got some got some some of his own demons to work through. Ah, he's got some demons, some <laughs> some stepping he needs to do. We'll we'll get to him in a second. But before we do that, I do have a fun fact about the Cleveland Browns that I need to share because it's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, they if you guys didn't see their 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 uh, release for their helmets and their, their alternate white helmets, it's from Dude Wipes. Dude Wipes sponsored the whole thing. On top of that, because we're talking about Kevin Spiancy, this is important. They also signed a deal for go for two situation with Cleveland. If every time they go for two, they will donate $2,000 to a certain fund. If they convert to the two point conversion, that is an extra $2,000 going to the fund. So now Kevin Stefanski is going to go for two all these times. And Deshaun's going to be converting all these two point conversions or attempting to convert all these two point conversions. And it could literally make or break this exact list we're talking about in its own right, all because of a sponsorship where they're giving money to charity. So, uh, first of all, shout out to Dude Wipes. That's absolutely fantastic. A great, honestly, I couldn't think of a better team they could have a contract with. That's, that's a great deal. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just needed to throw that out there because I saw it again today and I just started laughing um, with considering this was our our subject for tonight's show. So I had to share that little piece that uh, Deshaun and, and Kevin Spansky might be at the hands of Dude Wipes at the end of the day. So what you're saying is the Browns are with the beat, about to be number one in the number two business. You know what it is, what it is. Yeah, so you know, that'll take us. Now we're getting down some yeah. crappy jokes here. So. Yeah, that'll take us to number one. Uh, and this is where, well, the cream doesn't rise down here. Um, this is this is where your shit does stink. And that shit belongs to Russell Wilson. Uh, look, it, I, I've said enough about it in my, in, in my time, but I'll say it again. Russell Wilson's worst mistake was believing he was the best quarterback that wasn't a game manager. He believed he could be the ultimate playmaker. And he is not. And, and, and that's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Some of the best quarterbacks in history are not playmakers. That's fine. I, everybody is okay with that. Peyton Manning loved the guy to death, but down to his core, guess what? He's a game manager. He doesn't improv and run out of the pocket and make these plays out of the pocket like a, like a G. He stays in the pocket. He makes the right play. Tom Brady, his best plays were sticking within the offense and making plays. The only Manning that could go outside of the pocket and do things fantastically were Eli in the Super Bowl or Archie Manning just trying to live for his escape for his life. So, that, like, there's nothing wrong with being that dude that just controls his offense and makes the right plays. When Russell did that in his career, he was great. When Russell has stopped doing that since he lost Marshawn, and well, honestly, I'd say since that fourth down and goal in the Super Bowl, second, this been. Sorry, second and goal, whatever. You know, the pick at the, end, the pick at the goal line in the in the Super Bowl. Uh, this man has not been the same. It, it's just, whatever happened, it happened. You got to flush it. You got to get your mind right. Russell Wilson is my number one under the most pressure, not just because of the money, but hands down, it comes down to the future of his career. I don't think Russell has a future past this year if he could not put it together under Sean Payton because Sean Payton is considered that guru. He loves he loves short quarterbacks. He succeeds with short quarterbacks. If Russell Wilson cannot succeed with Sean Payton, Russell Wilson will not have a job come next year. That is my opinion. He will not have a starting job come next year. 
he will be relegated to the bench. And when you go into the season as Mr. Unlimited and you look extremely limited, you have a Subway commercial for the Danger Rust sandwich before it, there's way too much going in there and then the season that he had. So I agree with you. He's The pressure is on this year. He's got to show up and shout. You don't have to win the division. It, no one's going to fault you if you win 12 games and don't win the division because Patrick Mahomes is there. But you got to get like that 10, 11, 12 range. The AFC is a dogfight. You got to be in the mix of it. And probably have to get into the into the dance, honestly especially with how much they're paying him and how high the expectations are. And they have no draft picks. So they might actually be under the pressure they have to get. I feel like the top two, they have to get to the playoffs. They got to get that 10-11 wins and find a way to get in it. They can't be the, ah, oh, shucks, you won 10 games, but you just missed out because the AFC is tough. No, no, no. Those two at the top, they got to find their way in with what, with mu- much is given, much is expected, and expectations are sky high. When you have a good roster, that's what happens. When you have, you're supposed to be a great player. Those expectations shouldn't come with extra pressure. Honestly, you are you should already be putting enough pressure on yourself. We've heard that time and time again from all the greats. They like pressure is non-existent to them because they put more pressure on them in training than they do in the game. Like then they'll ever feel in the game, and that, it's true. I mean, if you if you train properly, you prepare properly, the expectations are a given. Uh, it may not always come out that way, but nine times out of ten, your you know your training will pay itself off. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, th- these two guys, especially at the top. Really need to make the playoffs. Um, I'd even say Dak needs to make the playoffs as well. Uh, Kirk and uh, Kirk and Goff at least make it competitive between the two of you at the end of the season. I'm expecting you got to finish above 500. Uh, you know, maybe maybe there's a possibility that neither one of them makes a playoff. Maybe Justin Fields rattles off 14 wins for Chicago, and that's the reason they don't get, at, get either one gets in. That's fine as long as you both have 10 and 11 wins. Like that's okay because you need to, but you need to get to double digit wins for both of those guys. Um, so yeah, I, I you know that's that's where I look at with this list. Uh, so just to recap, my number five, Jared Goff. My number four quarterback under pressure will be Kirk Cousins. Number three, Dak Prescott. Yes, I did just repeat myself. Number two, Deshaun Watson, and number one, not so dangerous Wilson. You know that, that definitely. We, there's some similarities there for us and some differences. A lot of quarterbacks under pressure. But before we get out of here, we're not done talking quarterbacks here in the main event. We did reference that Netflix series QBs coming back for season two next year, led by Peyton Manning and Omaha Productions. I thoroughly enjoyed the series. I look forward to season two. Which three quarterbacks would we like to see in season two? So I'm going to go ahead and go first. How I did this is I tried to make it kind of similar with that you had an elite guy, a middling guy, and then kind of a younger guy or someone who hasn't proven themselves, something like that. So what I did with this one is the three quarterbacks I want to see for season two, Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, Jordan Love. Joe Burrow's looking for an MVP Super Bowl run. Dak Prescott has some some work to prove this year. And Jordan Love, I just want to see what he's like in that first start, replacing Aaron Rodgers. I want to see behind the scenes for that. So those are the three quarterbacks I want to see in season two. That's respectable. Um, yeah, I didn't go that way with my list. I went, I want superstar power, <laughs> and I want it now. Granted, they are at three different stages in their career. We have Josh Allen, who is the established Buffalo Bills number one and is not leaving Buffalo ever. MVP candidate, and that's Josh Allen. Uh, we have Lamar, who is the, will I stay? Will I go? I'm a former MVP. Can I get back to my MVP ways? Lamar Jackson. And the guy who lost the Super Bowl, a young up-and-coming superstar, the young quarterback out of Oklahoma-Bama conversations. I don't know which one you want to give more, more credit to. Yes. Uh, but Jalen Hurts. Is the, is the next up-and-comer, and I want to see how he takes these reins, depending on, obviously, how that goes. But I do I do want to see those three. I think that would be fantastic. I'm shooting for the stars, you know, 
and I'm not landing in the clouds. I'm landing in the stars. Like I'm getting these three if I'm if I'm uh, if I'm Manning and, and Omaha Productions. Plus, he has a relationship with with all three. He's done. They've they some at some point some point in time they've done a commercial with all three. I think um, even Lamar. They did the subway commercials with Lamar uh, a couple years back. So they have a relationship with all three of these guys. They've worked with them. Obviously, Jalen Hurts comes from the Man- Manning Academy. Lamar was at the Manning Passing Academy. Um, Josh Allen was at the Manning Passing Academy. So they all have a relationship with this, the, the, the Mannings, and I think they could easily be uh, part for season two. Uh, but don't I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a Brock Purdy in there or a Geno potentially. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited if Jalen Hurts makes it because he is a quote machine. Everything he says is solid gold. He only spits fire. So having a full season, that would be absolutely great. I'd love that too. So before we jump out of the main event, you want to go ahead and recap those three quarterbacks you want to see for the Netflix series. Yeah, so recapping my three for the Netflix series. I got Lamar Jackson, I got Josh Allen, and I got Jalen Hurts that I want to see for next season's quarterback on NFL on the Netflix. I can't wait to see that either. I can't wait to see who they pick, and we're going to find out in roughly a year because I don't think we're going to find out during the season. But that's going to do it here for the main event. That's now going to take us to Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that's Crunch Time brought to you by Outlier. Go to outlier.bet backslash Sports. Get yourself a free seven-day trial. Bet smarter, not harder. Everything you need from odds trends and everything in between to put together some nice bets and win yourself some money in the world of sports and for crunch time i'm just going to go quickly summer league just wrapped up and cleveland cavaliers running the table five and oh summer league champs but the main thing i want to look at is i think they might have found a starter starting caliber player in imani bates who we all kind of know the story about imani bates in college as well very talented taken in the second round he looked darn good in this summer league i know we saw like a lot of the focus was on when Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller, those guys, they played a little bit, showed what they can do. But I looked at what Imani Bates did, and he looked fantastic for Cleveland, who really does need a small forward, like a versatile offensive small forward who can score, maybe play a little defense to go with Isaac Okoro, who's more of a D and occasional three guy. I think Imani Bates can give you all that and a little bit extra. So I think they might have found a a nice future starters. And then on top of that, you ran through the summer league on top of it. So the future might be bright for the Cavaliers. As long as they don't have to run to the Knicks again, because that was a really, really rough series. They did not look ready for it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a, that's a you know good take on there. I think Imani Bates. I also say, look at Evan Mobley's little, uh, brother, uh, Isaiah. He won the MVP for the summer league. That's a that's a tough guy to, to pass up. You also had Sam Merrill look, gave, gave good showing. Um, you also have my dude, Sharif Cooper. Uh, absolutely hope Sharif gets an opportunity with the Cavs this year. He's been lighting it up two seasons in a row. This will going into his second season with uh, the Cavs uh, G League team. I think, I think honestly, he could easily make a case for himself as well in the, in the NBA. So, uh, that's just off the bench. Look, that's all you need. Off the bench point guard production. Hmm. Yep, absolutely. So definitely keep an eye out for the Cavs. See if, especially they can keep Donovan Mitchell. Hopefully those trade rumors don't start to heat up too much. But definitely something to look at. And Kelsey, uh, you got something in crunch time here. You're going to take us to the pitch. Yeah, that's right. I'm taking you to messy claws. Uh, and I don't mean Santa Claus. I do mean a messy clause has been enacted in in his contract for coming to the mls it is a really entertaining clause and that is he does not want to play on artificial turf we've had this conversation many times about artificial turf and players playing on it but he refuses to play any game on artificial turf on away games what that means is for a away team to expect Messi to play against them if they have artificial turf they will have to lay a new sod field in preparation for that game for Messi to play if they do, he will be guaranteed to play, which means lots of money coming to them. You look at some of these prices, you have tickets for away games, and I think the base price, the lowest price I've seen is like $275. Uh, 
for an away ticket for any game. And I think that's in a CONCACAF Champions League game. So it is absolutely insane looking at the pricing on all of these MLS tickets. And now the Messi clause comes out from the MLS saying that you, if you expect Messi to play in the away games, you got to put down turf. So we'll see how many teams follow through with that or how many teams just say, you know what? We don't need Messi. We're okay with our, you know, couple million from this, uh, from this deal. Instead of the multiple million, potentially billion dollar share you can get from Messi playing in all the games. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. It's very interesting to see. But Messi has come to the MLS along with his buddy Sergio Busquets. Inter-Miami uh, is where they play. So Beckham's team, if you guys haven't paid attention to any of that. It'd be fun to see if they can crawl out of the, the cellar and work their way up to a playoff positioning come playoff time. So uh, that's, that's it for me for the mess, for, from the pitch. But, yeah, uh, very interesting to see what Lionel Messi can do for the MLS. Messi, Messi comes and he makes an impact almost right away. Definitely curious to see that. Right down to the field even. That's absolutely incredible. Only Messi, very few players in any sport can have that kind of impact. So definitely looking forward to seeing what he does there. But that's going to do it here for the High Low Sports Podcast. Hey, we appreciate you all joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on one of your favorite podcast apps later on. It's always wonderful to hang out with you guys. You guys make this fun for us. We appreciate all of you beyond words as well. Hopefully everything keeps going well for all of you. Remember, it's always always free and it's never a burden to ask for help. So if you do need help, always feel free to ask for it. We appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. We'll see you all again next week.